Hey everyone, welcome to Reformed Podmatics, hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. It's Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey, and this podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Mark. And I am Pastor Zach. And we thank you for joining us for a conversation on modesty. <laughs> now, just as we were preparing to talk about this topic, we were realizing that that word needs uh, a definition because it is often the case in the church that we use words that mean something in the church, in yeah. Christian contexts, and mean very different things in the secular world around us. And so um, we want to get into the topic, and maybe even before we start to define things, we could talk about some of the reason hmm. for the conversation at all. Uh, we, we don't just want to be sort of spouting facts about modesty, but we want to be connecting things to hmm. uh, your lives, to the things that people are going through or thinking about. And so... Um, Zach, uh, you brought up the the uh, <laughs> something that happened in culture recently that uh, prompted um, the conversation, maybe in your mind. And so, what was it that happened that that caused you to think this would be a good topic for us? Yeah, in preparation for this, I was reading an article by Alistair Roberts that said that this whole conversation about modesty is like a bad case of acne that keeps reappearing from time to time. And in this particular instance, the the uh, the factor that's causing the discussion to now continue once again. I mean, it never really stops, but it's pushing it along as this new song from Matthew West, a Christian uh, music artist, and his new song called Modest is Hottest, where he sort of takes a, a, a jab at himself and sort of makes fun of himself it's a little a bit. Satirical, it's satirical, Yeah, it's sort of a sat- satirical song about how he is always telling his two girls he has no sons, he just has two daughters apparently. And I only know this because of of all the fallout that I've read about it. (laughs) Uh, But he has two daughters that he'll often tell them sort of in a joking but serious manner apparently whenever they're leaving the house to, uh, to, to dress modestly. And he tells them modest is hottest. And apparently he came up with a song that he would sing to them sort of as a joke where he sort of teases himself for being maybe a little overbearing but he's he's still singing this song about modesty being the hottest and so mm-hmm. this has ignited a lot of conversation in the culture right now there has been so much uh, backlash that he's taken the music video down i never even have seen it um, apparently it was pretty bad but i don't know anything about it or even in what way it was bad. Um, it's hard to know as far as i know it's still on spotify that may have changed in the last couple of days i haven't checked uh, but that's where I f- i've found the song and heard it and it, yeah, it's quite bad. He he makes <laughs> he pokes uh, a little bit at Cardi B and the Kardashians and says, "Don't be like them. Be a little bit less like the Kardashians and Cardi B." Even though she's a nice girl, he says in the song, uh, and that Jesus loves her. Don't be like her. Uh, be a little bit more like the Amish. And that's sort of a joke, obviously. But those the, are the two choices. The intention is clear <laughs> here. Yeah, those are the two options. <laughs> yeah, those are your options, girls. And so yeah. while he even <laughs> s- expresses sorrow and he apologizes for this song, 
what you see, I think, still at the, at the, the bottom line is that he's still, uh, I would say, propagating this sort of modesty culture movement thing um, by telling his girls that modest is hottest and that they need to make sure that they're covering up their bodies so that boys don't stumble on this. A lot of these old sort of tropes that have been so criticized and attacked um, in, in recent years. And so, Well, it's such a weird idea because he's essentially saying if you want to be really hot then be like more like the Amish it's a really weird (laughs) modest is hottest is such a a, like it's such a weird combination of ideas because it's it's a self-defeating premise in a lot of ways yeah you're saying if you want to be super super attractive then don't do this thing that the world does but is the point still to be super attractive? Is that right. like the most important thing in the whole and world? To still to get to get boys to yeah, like you right. or exactly. whatever to be to yeah. be uh, to be hot to be attractive. Yeah, that, so that's <laughs> that remains the goal, and the way to get there is modesty. Is that what what we're going to be telling? Yeah, so maybe we could title this "Modesty Isn't Hottest." Uh, <laughs> modest isn't hottest. Uh, whenever I hear that phrase, I just think of the old Randy Jackson quote from American Idol. Yeah, that's going to be a no from me, dog. I just think. <laughs> That's my response to to the saying that modest is hottest. That just, just doesn't it doesn't work. It's not helpful. It's not healthy to say. It's not biblical. Um, it's not even a biblical thing. We're not we're not trying to be hottest, whether it's through our modesty yeah. or our lack thereof. Right. Um, and so this, this the whole thing is just it's just kind of ridiculous in my opinion. And so uh, but what happens here though is that this is a very contentious conversation, yeah, obviously, yeah. and that in the pushback to this sort of I would say ridiculousness that we see in the modest is hottest sort of a wing of evangelicalism is that people want to push back against it so much that we, we sort of fail to establish what modesty is, what it looks like. And we, we lack in the process any uh, understanding that this is still a biblical concept mm-hmm. that Paul does teach uh, Christians to, to obey and even women, he says in First Timothy 2, for example, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, that is, with good works. And so they should adorn themselves a certain way. And I think this goes for men as well. He's just particularly talking to women here in this passage. Uh, but this whole thing about modesty, we have to make something of it. At the end of the day, we have to say that what Paul meant here was A, it was true, mm-hmm. that B, it was meaningful, that it has some sort of meaning that we can we can understand and, and live by, and then therefore three, the third thing is that it, it's, it's applicable. It's something we can do in our world. Whatever we do, we can't take an all-or-nothing approach to modesty. Yeah. We can't say, like the song sort of suggests, that we all become Amish or that we become like the the Kardashians and those are our only two options. We have to think through what the virtue of modesty is in order to do justice to the, the Bible's teaching on it. Uh, and so we, we want to think what is a theology yeah. of modesty? What is this virtue of modesty? And I think one of the places I want to start is that for all Christians, one of the greatest ethics that we are all called to by Christ is to take the lowly path, to to be humble, mm-hmm. to to serve others to 
to not take attention to ourselves, but to give glory and honor to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so this is our uh, this is our calling. We should live all of our lives under this idea. And so as we think about a theology of modesty, we should, I think, put that first and foremost. So Mark, what are your thoughts on, on what modesty is? How could we yeah. define it and explain it? Well, it is certainly unfortunate that it's so often flattened to just sexuality. And even within that, just flattened to apparel, women's apparel, basically. Yeah. Um, that is such a narrow application. I do think the application is warranted to a certain extent, but that's a very narrow slice of the pie chart mm-hmm. of modesty because uh, all of it involves humility. I think mm-hmm. that we could really think of modesty and humility as essentially interchangeable terms i would yeah, say amen um so was christ modest absolutely uh you know blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth meekness mm-hmm. um is about humility modesty mm-hmm. lowliness um having that servant heart not needing to be the person at fr- at the front not always needing to be the person who's in charge um the person who has noticed the most that's a lot of what a lot of modesty is confronting mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is is that desire to be seen. Um, yeah. No, whether that's seen because of someone's attractive physical attractiveness um, or seen because of their uh, fancy clothes, as Paul mm-hmm. warns the women um, in Timothy's church. All of those things are temptations towards immodesty. And mm-hmm. honestly, that's right in the temptations of Christ as well as uh, he has a temptation in the desert to be spectacular. And in the book, In the Name of Jesus by Henry Nouwen, he notes that Christians are called predominantly, um, almost entirely, to a fairly unspectacular ministry and life. Hmm. Um, and that, Wow, that's good. Because, uh, and so that's not just what well, the clothes we wear. Mm-hmm. That's how we think about preaching, how we think about worship singing, uh, you know, songs in in worship, uh, how we think about, of course, the clothes we wear and the buildings we worship in. Are Mm -hmm. they modest? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do they, do they glorify God or they draw attention to ourselves? That's, that's the Hmm. core question of modesty. And so, um, Hmm. Charles Spurgeon, when he preached about this, I may have mentioned this in another podcast, his scripture text for preaching about modesty was Romans eight, verse 30 which might sound like it has absolutely nothing to do with modesty, but I think it has everything to do with the topic. So this is where, uh, again, Romans 8, one of the core chapters of all of Scripture, um, certainly of the New Testament, talks about salvation, how we're saved, how God is sovereign over all the details of our lives. Um, right before Romans 8.30, of course, we have the, the famous verse of Romans 8.28, God works all things together for good. He is glorified when things work together in our lives. And then Romans 8 verse 30 says, For those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So Spurgeon <laughs> looks at this verse and realizes it is God who glorifies us. <laughs> it's God who raised Jesus from the dead. Um, it's very often the case that, that Christ is not self aggrandizing i mean he right. he never is um he's uh minimizing at many points even the amount of people 
that he's interacting with and he's retreating to places he's uh, going mm-hmm. away from the crowds um, he didn't come to be just spectacular for its own sake right. um, but God raised him from the dead and that was spectacular that was supernatural it was amazing and um, that is so much of the glory of Christ is is what the father had done for him and raising him from the dead and so uh, that should also be the the goal of the Christian is not to glorify ourselves, to be mm-hmm. modest, to be simple, to mm-hmm. be content with simple things, um, and to say, you know, eventually, uh, one day God may glorify me even by uh, drawing attention to a, a lowly act of service, but I'm going to leave that in God's hands, and I don't need to glorify myself by mm-hmm. putting my acts of righteousness on Facebook for everyone to see, uh, putting everything that I do out there in front of all these different people so that I can sort of feel patted on the back. I think that's at Hmm. the core of modesty. Um, And so you can see there, it has some application to the clothes that we wear, that we don't need to glorify ourselves by what we wear. We don't need to draw attention to ourselves by uh, crazy hairdos, uh, tattoos, Hmm. Um, expensive clothes, revealing clothing, um, all of that is included in modesty, but but really it's hmm. it's what's happening in the heart. Do I have to be noticed right. at every party I go to, at every worship service, or is it okay if I just trust one day, uh, one day God, God would glorify me in some way in the presence of Christ, yeah. but until then I'm going to be okay with sort of Right. So taking that lowly path is important. And I think what often gets lost in the word or in discussions of the word modesty, we immediately just jump to thinking modesty means not showing a lot of skin. Yeah. Uh, It simply means covering up. So dressing modestly means not letting my legs show or my arms or my my chest show or my my butt show or whatever it is uh, I want to keep those things well covered up and so even in a, you get bonus points if you can wear baggy clothes that sort of don't show your the shape of your body especially this is how women mm-hmm. are often told how to dress uh, and so actually that's not exactly what modesty is as a bad understanding of modesty and this is it's what so often gets propagated in the conservative evangelical mm-hmm. world that is then reacted to quite bitterly uh, by my by younger evangelicals or ex-evangelicals as they are now yeah. calling themselves De-church many of them people. Um, yeah. they they react against that i think rightfully so because uh, it, it sort of gets into arbitrary rules but if we have a broader understanding of what modesty is about humility and about uh, taking the lowly path the humble path i think it actually helps move this conversation forward a lot and it helps us to see that men dress immodestly very often as well this isn't about not letting their underwear show that's often the rule at any church camp you go to they'll have (laughs) modesty rules for girls and girls can't wear this they can't wear this they can't wear this they They must wear this probably and then for guys it's just don't let your underwear show as if guys are immune to dressing immodestly Uh, but if we think of modesty modesty as humility dressing in a way that is not drawing attention to yourself it's not showy man i think lots of young boys dress very immodestly and i think this is in our world where uh, we no longer dress 
in order to show our sort of rank in the society we no longer dress to show our our status so much although that's still pretty prevalent we no longer dress to show our jobs so uh we don't dress at, if you're a, a metal smith you're not walking around looking like a metal smith and if you're if you're a nurse you're not walking around looking like a nurse although you will wear a uniform at, at work we we now more we dress in order to express our inner selves we have an interesting understanding of selfhood in the in the modern west and the, one of the big things is that we want to explore who we really are on the inside and we have to then and searching that out, express that to the world and how we dress, and everybody just has to deal with it. And so we see, <laughs> and we see everyone this, has to applaud me, even. and everybody has to applaud me and yeah. celebrate me, at least accept me. Yeah. Um, and so what we do with our dress, it's almost inescapable, is to show off ourselves. We want to show who we are on in the inside off to the world and so just sort of innately we are in very Im- immodest culture not in the sense that we show a lot of skin which sure we we might you could you could say mm-hmm. uh, but that we are all so focused on showing off who we really are to the world Every, all of the clothing decisions that we make men and women equally is to show who we are where we stand and i think in that sort of situation uh, it's really difficulty, d- difficult to talk about modesty in any sort of coherent way. Yeah. But if we understand that modesty is about being humble, it's about being lowly, then I think that, that that really helps. In a sense, modesty is about not standing out. I think a lot of our world today is so built on dressing in a way that stands out, showing off our bodies in ways that stand out Uh by adorning ourselves in ways that catches attention. But the Christian path is not so much against showing skin. I think Paul, Paul, interestingly, when he's talking about modesty in this passage from first Timothy chapter two, he's not talking about not showing skin. He's just being, he's expressing that modesty is about not adorning yourself in such a way as to distract people from God's goodness. And so he says, women shouldn't dress in these sort of cultural ways of, him braided hair gold pearls or costly attire uh, but th- that they should they should adorn themselves with good works they should show their love for god and that they should in doing so learn to glorify god not just uh, with how they dress but also with how they live their lives yeah the central question is when someone interacts with me was i prideful was was it really about me? Uh, this is especially true during worship, um, or was was it about hmm. who me belonging to to the Lord? Uh, did people see in me someone who is deferential, um, who hmm. who does not need to be this at the center of the conversation and attention? Um, I, I think. Again, it has a lot more to do with the heart than just sort of what is on the outside of of our um, of our bodies in terms of our clothes. Yeah. Um, and this gets to something that I see a lot in church culture, where people like to go. I would say there's a real attraction to nice things, uh, that professional, expensive look. Uh, things with a good shine, you know, mm-hmm. on them, and things that are new. So, a new church building, um, 
the new clothes. It feels good to wear new clothes, to mm-hmm. get a new shirt and um, to get uh, dressed up for something like a wedding or for church, uh, hmm. Easter Sunday. Um, but at the same time, it, it does seem like that shift can happen where things go the next step further and, and think people start to think, well, that is the good way to do it. That's the good, w- the good church is that one that looks just right. And hmm. everyone's dressed to the nines. Uh, everything looks pressed and, and together. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I've heard occasionally. So our church uh, building is actually a very beautiful building. Um, but it, it is not the newest building in town. Nope. Um, it's, I would I wouldn't say it's dated because it is really beautiful with all the wood, um, mm-hmm. but it's obviously was built uh, about forty years ago, and and so some people would come in and they would that's all that they can sort of see because that's the world that they live in is judging things by an exterior, yeah. Um, and there are other buildings that are newer and um, you know follow newer trends in architecture and so forth. Mm-hmm. And just the feeling of being there, somebody would say, well, uh, this just feels better to me. Hmm. Um, it's that obsession with the exterior and judging things by that criteria instead of, well, are, are people loving in this place is the word preached here. And that doesn't mean that a brand new, really cool looking church isn't a gospel preaching, Christ exalting church. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. we can easily fall into that trap being a very visual culture. Uh, hmm. I think of mega churches and pastors like uh, like Stephen Furtick and um, mm-hmm. Paula White, you know, uh, one of Trump's favorite pastors. Yeah. Um, and neither of those people dress immodestly in the sexual sense. I would say Correct. they they cover themselves up, <laughs> but I would say both of those people dress very immodestly in uh, the Pauline sense of Correct. having a costly attire and needing to look just right. I've even yeah. heard from uh, a former photographer at Elevation Church, with his, which is Stephen Furtick's church, that they select certain people to sit towards the front of church hmm. who are more attractive so that they can present a certain image. Hmm. The image of the church is really important to the leadership of that congregation. And by image, they don't mean Christ, they mean yeah. a worldly um, image that is very immodest, and um, wow, uh, that that's even come out now as um, Mark Driscoll's <laughs> getting a lot of attention. There's a, another podcast called the Rise, the Rise yeah. and Fall of Mars Hill, and um, one of the reasons that that he actually got in trouble was for this very issue of saying we can't have this person up in front of church making announcement because they do not present the image that we want to present um, of you know fit, trim and fit, and dressed in expensive clothing um, mm-hmm. that even you know, crept its way into that church, um, which is kind of ironic because Mark Driscoll isn't exactly the uh, most right. fit and trim guy that you've ever yeah. seen in your life. And, and so it's, it's weird. That, that's where this leads, though, is all kinds of exceptions and rules. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, um, on yeah. one hand, the modesty purity culture of, say, the Amish have all kinds of rules and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, women have to do their hair a certain way, wear a certain thing. But the, uh, the obsession with, with uh, looks also has all of its rules mm-hmm. as well. And so really, this is a, this is a call to grace and humility um, and to, to accept one another 
and brotherly love yeah um instead of just uh obsessing about those external things yeah it's unsurprising that in our world we have sexualized modesty where we can't even think of it Mm. really with the concept of humility which is i think that's the main point of this episode for me when when we discussed talking about this i was just thinking i just want to make the point that modesty is about humility and then it slices both ways very very quickly uh i know lots of young men and young women working in youth ministry who dress very immodestly they can cover a lot of their bodies up but they can still dress dress pretty immodestly so the christian wants to dress in a simple way and i think that this this informs uh, a lot of how at least i i approach um, dress in the pulpit mm-hmm. um, whenever I, I'm preaching. You preach much more often than I do, so maybe you have more thoughts. But my baseline thought is I don't want anybody to really have the thought about what I'm wearing, yeah. have any thoughts about what I'm wearing. Yeah. I just don't, don't want them to care what mm-hmm. I'm wearing, whether it's whether I'm wearing something really nice or really bad. Both of those would, sure. would draw attention that's unnecessary and unwanted uh, to me. And so I just sort of want to look normal in the most (laughs) serious sense possible well (laughs) and one of the ironies with pastoral dress is people would say oh then wear a robe Mm -hmm. but i actually find robes to be immodest yeah depending on your context yeah so yeah there could be a context where it might be expected and um you would just sort of get used to it i suppose in like a a catholic church for example Mm -hmm. having vestments there Uh, but even there I would maybe challenge a little bit to say, well, what is the robe doing? It's setting one person apart mm-hmm. as above mm-hmm. in a way. Um, it's drawing particular attention to that person. Now, maybe some attention is warranted based on what that person is doing, mm-hmm. uh, offering the sacrament, preaching, and so forth. And so to, to wear special clothing to show the seriousness of the task I, I, that would probably be their defense, right? And I, I will say that I'm sort of an advocate of robes. Okay. So we yeah. could we could talk well, about that maybe a little this bit. This is another episode in the, <laughs> in the making. Yeah, but, maybe this is one of our disagree um, episodes. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm I'm against them because of the separateness that they communicate sure. from from the laity. Sure. Uh, so there's already a lot of that in our culture. Yeah. And there's already a desire to particularly set the pastor up as the perfect standard of hmm. the holy man, the prophet. Yeah. And so the robe to me seems to make that probably worse instead of better. Hmm. It, it's often done to try to um, lower the pastor, uh, particularly mm-hmm. for women, I, women pastors I've heard wearing mm-hmm. a robe can kind of enable them to not be as much noticed for what they are wearing um oh yeah you know like uh, if a woman prefers to wear a pants suit instead of a dress um then mm-hmm. in certain contexts that has different connotations and so forth yeah. and so just wearing a robe is to take those questions away um yeah and uh i maybe i could see it it there but in our context i know that if i show up in a robe it would be hmm. immodest it would be yeah. interpreted as oh who thinks he's pretty great now mm-hmm. wearing, <clears throat> wearing the robe. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you can't be ruled by people's speculations and how they're always going to respond to something. But uh, I would mm-hmm. say, yeah, simple dress mm-hmm. um, is, is uh, 
it's a way of serving the church. Right. Uh, I, I've seen it on both sides where people get really distracted by sloppy clothes by or by very fine clothes. Um, but yeah. Every church leader, every person who is in front of church especially, needs to ask, uh, how can I serve the church even as I get dressed for the day um, and hopefully some clothes that people would hardly notice? Yeah, exactly. And I think that this brings up some of the conversation about modesty that how much of how much of modesty is is objective what are are there any hard and fast rules christians shouldn't break or is modesty uh closer to what we could say say a wisdom issue uh where depending on the context and the, the maybe their cultural context as well um or or your geographical context or or other things like that do the certain rules break down um i think it's obvious that uh, there are some there, <laughs> there's some some places where dressing a certain way in one such situ- situation or setting would be totally appropriate and in another another setting it would be totally inappropriate i think we can we can all agree on that it's, yeah. um it's okay to wear a swimsuit at a at a pool it's maybe not okay to wear a swimsuit uh, to church. To church, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And so that's pretty like basic. I think even children Extreme could understand yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Um, but how much of modesty is is culturally, I think, grounded, and how much of it? Yeah. Do we get, do we get any leeway in the just in in thinking about how to dress modestly? I I think. You, we just have to get back to that question. Is this going to be all about me? Um, hmm. So maybe uh, a good example would be going to a wedding. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it was in the office where uh, one of the what people who were going to go to the wedding, she had to wear a white dress. And that's sort of the faux pas, <laughs> right? You're, like, mm-hmm. you're not supposed, a woman is not supposed to wear a white dress to a wedding. Right. Unless and, they're the bride. And the joke <laughs> of in the office was, for this person, everything really always was about her, and so she really wanted to wear the white dress to the wedding so that oh, people man. would notice her. <laughs> yeah, that's an extreme example, but um, is it is it good to adorn yourselves with uh, braided hair, gold pearls, and a fine clothing to a wedding? Yeah, I think that it is okay, and mm-hmm. so I don't I don't actually believe that that's breaking the principle that the Apostle Paul sets forth in right. First Timothy two. Um, yeah, but is that being done so that people will recognize me, then it is breaking the principle. Hmm. Uh, it, it has far more to do with the heart than, than just the exact manifestations of, of how that works out. Um, and yeah, so I, and I would even say there are, it's not just a wedding, it's not just church, but there are various circumstances where it's good to get dressed up and it's good to, for a woman to look very pretty and for a man to uh, buy some new clothing and feel good about how he looks, mm-hmm. um, going for date night, um, yeah, uh, yep. you know, spending time on your honeymoon, going to see various things and want to look nice for pictures and things like that. As mm-hmm. you as you go through that uh, that vacation, that's really special. Um, this is all. It's actually a way maybe to appeal to your spouse or or to somebody right. that's close to you instead of. Just to show them exactly honor that, that and love care. and care. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
there's certainly a time and a place for uh, getting dressed up and looking looking really nice. Hmm. But overall, I would say the Christian's default should should be more to plain dress, not hmm. really drawing a lot of attention to themselves. Yeah, um, by needing to look just right all the time. Yeah, I guess my question could have better been presented using Paul's language from that passage in First Timothy. Is it wrong, for example, to have braided hair or to wear gold or pearls or costly attire? Um, I don't think either of us would say that any of those four things are inherently wrong. Yeah. Um, is it wrong to, to braid your hair? No, I, I don't think it is. So that maybe in Paul's culture... I don't know the, the the hairstyles. I've never read the uh, yeah. Cosmopolitan magazine of the first century. I don't know, uh, but I, I would imagine maybe braided hair was something meant for, to to draw attention uh, more. And then gold, of, of course, is an expression of wealth. Pearls, most likely the same. Costly attire, but I think today, if we think about costly attire, as he says here, I don't think all attire that is costly yeah. always looks very costly. You can sure. buy a $95 t-shirt uh, that nobody would really know was $95. Uh, but back then, costly attire would have been, I'm imagining, quite showy. That uh, gets to the question of materialism a little bit more than just modesty. Yeah. Right? Uh, spending a lot of money on clothes. Right. Uh, probably... <laughs> Is it like uh, John yeah. Piper talks about yeah, living a, in wartime, basically, and mm-hmm. being modest and simple in how we spend money, even, not just the clothes yeah. that we wear. Yeah. yeah. There are good things to spend lots of money on. Right. And maybe clothing aren't <laughs> doesn't yeah. fall under that category. Clothing, yeah, certain disposable things, yeah. So I think we've done a pretty good job of, of navigating what we could call a theology of modesty yeah. or the, the virtue of modesty, trying to understand... Uh, what it is uh, in a broader sense. And so maybe we could go from here into the, the dangers that mm-hmm. we've seen in, in purity culture. Um, unless there's anything else you want to add well, I, to I what would we've say gotten so far. With, with regards to, to dress, um, it's particularly important if, if somebody wears clothing, not just to for the general, like wanting to be noticed, but so-and-so is going to be there, and so I've got to dress up. That's that's a recipe for relational disaster, I mm. think. Um, now, obviously, if you're dating and you want to look nice for your boyfriend or girlfriend, or if you're married, you want to look nice for your spouse. But, mm. but to be careful about that a little bit, like um, somebody really important is going to be there, and so I've got to draw attention to myself, or somebody mm-hmm. that I have an unhealthy romantic interest in is going to be there and so i've got to look really nice Hmm. um that that's a particularly dangerous form of immodesty i would say Hmm. Uh, whether that's church um or a wedding or a group of friends getting together oh you know there's there's um some people could say i have this little bit of excitement knowing uh that Hmm. these these this couple that's really wealthy is going to be there so i've got to look good or um Hmm. Or, or getting caught up in all that, how people are going to, or these particular people are going to see me. Um, oh, it matters so much to me that I've got to look great for that person or these people. Hmm. Um, to me, that's a particularly damaging way to live your life. Yeah, it's, 
it's unhealthy and it sort of is an idolatry of of perception of how we're being perceived exactly. you always want everyone to see you yeah. and then it may be part of that is that you, you could be almost lying you're trying to present yeah. yourself in yeah. a certain way mm-hmm. um through your your dress and through your showiness mm-hmm. uh, and that can be pretty wrong as well yeah good example and so yeah but the purity culture thing is one that we definitely have to get to because this has done a lot of damage uh conversations where uh in youth group uh, this doesn't happen at our church but (laughs) happened when i was in youth group the boys go to one room the Mm. girls go to the other room and we talk about um sexual ethics and often the girls are in the crosshairs there in terms of Mm -hmm. um yeah you know being convicted often accused wrongly of tempting boys by uh by trying to be pretty mm-hmm. um so often the cases uh I, I think of the context where i've lived and served done in ministry um girls just trying to look nice mm-hmm. often may being made to feel bad they get shamed for, for yeah being shamed for just just trying to and they're growing up. It's complicated. You're mm-hmm. trying to find out who you are. And uh, it's even a complicated phase in uh, a girl's life physically. Yeah, um, for sure. And so it, exactly knowing uh, the clothes to wear, how to do makeup properly, how to hmm. do your hair now for yourself after your mom doesn't help you as much when <laughs> you were little. All that um, is something that girls are trying to figure out. And so it's in that vulnerable time where they are accused or confronted with, yeah. uh, they have the weight of the world heaped on their shoulders and don't tempt men. Yeah, don't make the boys wear. stumble. Exactly, don't yeah, don't be the stumbling block. Uh, and so that has really damaged a lot of young women. Mm-hmm. And, and it's damaged young men too in the sense of them being presented as essentially animals who just can't control themselves yeah. and can't control their minds. And that, that, understanding of young men is told to young men and so what are they going to grow up to be there it's a full self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways um that that that's all they they will think about perhaps because that's what they're told they are yeah yeah it, it, it does damage across the board to young men and one women and young women i would say yeah i think it makes people have very very particularly young girls mm-hmm. very problematic approaches to sexuality yeah uh, feeling that that in any context to 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 dress in a way that will attract uh, anyone is wrong. I think in the in in marriage it's not wrong, uh, and even in in dating, if you want to look pretty for your boyfriend, I, I don't think that that's wrong. And so, if we if we make girls feel as though this is inherently wrong all the time yeah. to to be beautiful, uh, th- that's just going to be that's going to cause a lot of problems down the road, and it's going to that that sort of shame gets piled on it continues to be there and that's something that's really really difficult for young girls to to work through and i think you did a good job of explaining that that is just a tricky time in a young girl's life going from being a little girl to being to becoming a woman her her body is changing her body is growing in different places and she she's learning how to how to how to dress how to yeah put on makeup and all those sorts of things that's really an, a, hmm. a difficult time for for young girls um, i think that's partly I'm, why titus includes the instruction for women to yeah. teach the girls and the young women um and 
this is an area in particular where you know we as two men we probably shouldn't even get that precise in the types of things that that girls should do or not do and these are conversations between a mom and daughter um maybe a, a really trusting a trustworthy woman in church to come alongside a sister in christ who is 14 15 18 years old and say let's go shopping together Hmm. and let's have a great day um you know (laughs) you have to do that of course alongside the mother and and so forth and so that should be careful uh carefully navigated you don't Mm -hmm. want to just take over but at the same time to encourage purity modesty but also confidence that's Mm -hmm. a good thing um strength of character and uh it sounds yeah. a little bit strange, but to embrace physical beauty is a good thing, right? Um, and uh, it's it's good that uh, that God makes all people look differently, and to acknowledge that. I, there there used to be this show, "What Not to Wear," right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And uh, I would occasionally see it as my wife was watching it, and I I kind of like a lot of the approach actually that I saw in that show. Is well, here's who you are. And here's what makes you look good and feel confident. Hmm. And they tried to help people figure out what clothes they should wear. And so Hmm. when women can come alongside particularly other girls and say those kinds of things, wow, you look really nice today, Mm -hmm. Um, particularly when you're noticing that they're they're trying to remain modest but also become confident, that's really helpful Hmm. for girls. Yeah. I think you touched on a few things, a few statements back. Um, about how we often pitch it as if women are the meat and mm. they're being dangled in front of the men and women have yeah. to dress in such a way so as to not to not make the men stumble. This this sort of rhetoric gets tossed around a lot. I've seen it um, many, many times in my life. So I have this interesting uh, quote I want to share, again from Alistair Roberts from a blog article that he wrote uh, several years ago. And he says this. He says, One thing that is striking in the, is the hyperbolic arguments of many of those attacking the concept of modesty. So he's sort of hitting against here those who are anti-modesty. Any suggestion that many girls should cover up more is presumed to be tantamount to saying that they ought to be wearing burqas. Mm. The suggestion that there is any responsibility placed upon, upon women relative to male desire can be reacted to as if the suggestion that women are entirely responsible for men's desire and that conversely, men have no responsibility whatsoever. The suggestion that men do not find it easy to master their desires is interpreted as if it were being said that men can't exercise mm-hmm. any control mm-hmm. over their desires and behavior at all. So I think that he, what he does here is, is, is helpful uh, in sort of saying that we, we shouldn't think in these sort of all-or-nothing categories. Uh, it's okay for women to have the thought that we do need to be thoughtful of men. Yeah, that maybe is not yeah. that should be lower down on our priority levels of when we're thinking of modesty but i think that 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 is an, a legitimate part of the conversation yeah. Yeah. and to also say that men struggle with this is not to say that they don't have any re- responsibility they do they have lots of responsibility uh to to guard their hearts and to uh, guard their eyes and to uh to be careful sexually um and so we need to not just like toss out those those two things we need to be able to say that those things are true but we need to have them all in a proper perspective i think yeah and another application to go just beyond clothing too is is to think about 
things like worship. Like, are we content with simple in hmm. in worship, um, both as a worship leader and pastor? Um, I don't mean worship leader in the musical sense, but one who leads the service. Um, is it okay to have a modest Sunday um, hmm. where we hear God's word and we sing some old songs and we pray? Um, I, I recently saw a worship service where uh, it was a mega church type thing. I think it was a, a song. I, I forget if it was a song that I like or not, but I don't know how I came across it on YouTube. But it was very, you know, the typical dark auditorium with the light show and the loud noise. And the song was something to the effect of how it's all about God's glory. It's all about Jesus. Hmm. This is all about him. And I was just like, no, it's really not by the way that you're presenting <laughs> yeah. this. Um, that's a bit of a parable for personal modesty as well. Like, hmm. I think that in church, we can get really good at learning to say the right things and sing the right songs hmm. and do the right doctrinal things while also having that hunger for a worldly glory. Hmm. Um, and again, to, to get to Spurgeon's message on modesty, we have to trust that certainly God will be glorified, and, and that's our goal in life, and that any glory or recognition that we would receive would be gravy, essentially. It's, it's, it's grace that we receive that, and that's not the goal at all. I, I think that we've already had episodes about the Roman Catholic Church and the Charismatic Church, but I would say those are two contexts where um, modesty is lacking in very different ways in the different hmm. contexts and and I don't want to just like heap on them again but uh yeah. there's there's a desire to see a glory in the world hmm. in both of those contexts that I think that we should be very careful about yeah so maybe the puritans were onto something yeah. in their simplicity their yeah. value for simplicity um, I think we should have that too. I will say I, I, I will uh, we'll put in the in the show notes for this the article that mm. I just read from from Alistair Roberts, um, and I think also we could say just to I want to sort of clarify my thinking a little bit as well uh, that men should be really careful not to cause women to fall into mm. to sexual sin sure. as well. Sure. That just it needs to go both ways, and the problem with a lot of this is that again only cuts in one direction most of the time as if women are are the bad ones and so mm. when we when we read passages like proverbs 5 or proverbs 7 for example that talk about the seductress leading uh dumb men to to the grave to sheol we need to realize that okay yeah this is being written from king solomon to his son it could also go the it could, you could flip the genders around as well mm. uh, men can lead women into seduction and that sort of thing can and does happen um, it's probably to be honest a little bit less having to do with the physical attractiveness but and maybe right. more on the charismatic side so like a and I don't mean that spiritual charismatic I mean like a guy who with a lot of gravitas and right. uh, very appealing yeah. Uh, for whatever reason uh to women um mm -hmm. whereas for men that type of appeal is generally yeah going to be more more physical or, or have uh i don't want to stereotype too much but i think that right. the way that that appeal happens is probably a little bit different and so men and women should be attuned to that 
Yes. There's different ways. I think generally speaking that men and women yeah. are attracted. Yeah. There's always outliers. There's always exceptions. And we can think of anecdotal stories, I'm sure. But uh, generally speaking, I think that, that that is true. I would agree. Um, w- one of the problems here with all of this is that uh, if we go back to the dangers of purity culture was that men can just feel totally immune to conversations of immodesty as if somehow they're miraculously, because of their genetics, <laughs> unable to break the, this this law of God. That they, when somebody starts talking about modesty, they can immediately just tune out. They can start, start thinking about the sports game that they were watching earlier, <laughs> uh, who won, who was pitching, who got the home run. I don't need to pay attention to this stuff. This is for the girls to think about. Yeah. Uh, that is just plain wrong. Uh, men need to be attentive to ways in which they are immodest as well. And so that this, again, needs to just go both ways. If, and I think as a, as a youth pastor, I, I, just reflecting on this has made me think, man, I, I need to be more careful with how I talk with young boys about how they dress. Mm. Um about not drawing attention to themselves, about about dressing simply. And so maybe, I don't know, we could talk about this. One, one of the objections somebody could bring up to this whole conversation we've had would be, so Zach and Mark, are you just telling people they should be boring in how yeah. they dress? Yeah. And I, I guess I would say, yeah. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, to a certain extent, um, there's certainly a time and a place, like we've said, for dressing up and looking good. Um, but to be okay with not being noticed for your hair, your clothes, um, yeah. is, is to me, virtuous. Uh, yeah. It shows that my worth and my self-perception doesn't depend on applause, on being noticed. And I don't know, it, I, I guess I'll get pretty precise too and what that means um i I think in our culture having bright pink hair uh having tattoos all over your body Mm -hmm. uh does is done for that purpose it's done for the purpose of being noticed and um self-expression yeah i'm not going to go so far as to say that it's like automatically sinful to do something like that because that would be essentially adding to scripture but it definitely breaks the principle that Paul is setting forth with not adorning yourself and yeah. being that person who uh, everyone has to notice. Yeah, uh, I, I think that that gets there. But on the other hand, um, it is good. Uh, it's good to feel good about yourself, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I would say um, where this particularly applies in marriage is it's really good for husbands and wives to understand how to appeal to one another mm-hmm. and to seek to do that in how they dress uh, to serve the other by uh, by looking nice, by being appealing to them. Um, yeah. cer- certainly we don't want to encourage prudishness. Yeah, uh, you have in the Song of Solomon examples of husbands, a husband and a wife who are strongly attracted to one another's bodies. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to make modesty sound like a call to uh, total sexual um, denial, even in the yeah. context of marriage. Um, I, I would yeah. say, yeah, definitely there's a time and a place for for sexiness, for mm-hmm. looking pretty and being attractive, especially in that context of marriage. It's, it's even a good thing and a, a thing that 
husbands and wives will be called to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, really well said. I think we, we don't want to become, I think it's, what's the, th- what's the show? Arrested Development. Oh. I can remember there's a character who is a quote, never nude, <laughs> uh, who is like unable to, to even shower without clothes on. Right. Uh, so we don't, we don't, yeah, we don't want to become like Tobias from that show. I would never really watch the show, but I know the reference because my <laughs> friends would tell me about it. Um, we don't we don't want to go that far at all we want to there's there's a time and a place to be physically attractive to yeah. be if i can say and, it sexy even. And, and to work towards uh, that in marriage yeah yeah that's that's a good thing uh, that should be celebrated um and so that's why we have to be really careful about the shame sort of mm-hmm. thing um but back to the thing about boring dress i think again a lot of it depends on what what you're at so if you're at a a black tie f- event and you wear a nice suit with a black tie that's fine you're, yep. are you wearing costly attire yes mm. i don't think paul's talking about this sort of, i don't think he's making a blanket blanket statement yeah. saying that you yeah. can't ever wear costly attire uh it's just a matter of are you are you drawing attention to yourself or not i, I think that that's really what it comes down to for me right. at least and so if you're gonna go minister to the homeless community don't wear a black tie and a suit uh, you probably want to look very, very normal um, yeah. and just sort of maybe shorts and flip-flops and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're going to be at a party where everybody's supposed to wear crazy colors, go wear <laughs> some crazy colors, you know? Right, or if, right. Uh, if, you're, if you're going to a sporting event, uh, maybe just wear a jersey or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and that's the context, I guess, where the pink hair could work, right? Because <laughs> if right. the team's wearing pink that day for Mother's Day or whatever, it... it fits yeah and so yeah that's where you don't want to get too legalistic i guess you'd say yeah and if you're going out on on the on a boat ride and you want to wear like a funny shirt or something yeah go for it yeah, um, yeah I, have I some fun is the key i think yeah, is what I, probably I, saying. yeah and so know your context of what you're dressing for and think about okay how can i how can i dress in a way that will be appropriate that will be fitting that won't draw attention to myself but but will it will express what what I'm doing there. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you're going to be dressed very nicely and you have to run into the grocery store. Okay, so be it. <laughs> um, so you're going to look a little out of place. That That's okay, obviously. Uh, but we have to just, we have to think about this. Yeah. Men just as much as women. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's, that sort of summarizes my feelings on this. Uh, maybe we'll get some feedback and need to... F- yeah do a follow-up episode here <laughs> well it would me. be good to talk about uh pastoral robes and uh <laughs> things like that i don't know how interested our listenership will be in that exact topic but maybe we'll uh we'll hear some feedback if people yeah. would like to hear about that so um yeah. I, I i think we've uh we've kind of gotten to the issue and the heart of it and i guess we just want to encourage humility <clears throat> and yeah. um certainly not desiring to heap blame on particularly the women for causing hmm. the downfall of of men so forth uh, oh, automatically uh, perhaps that could be happening a little bit and women should pay attention to what they wear but um, hmm. this is this is something that all Christians uh, men and women young and old wealthy and poor are called to pay attention to at least hmm. is to think about what does our clothes show about our identity in Christ um, yeah. I think that was at the core of the gospel coalition article that uh, Zach had referred to earlier. What what does how we look like represent, hmm. uh, to the best of our ability, say about who we are? 
um, who we really are, spiritually speaking, um, and not just kind of yeah. how we want to portray ourselves and yeah. and impress other people. Um, so hopefully this has been <clears throat> a, uh, a helpful conversation, and uh, we uh, continue to thank you for spending time with us here on Reform Podmatics, and uh, God bless the rest mm. of your week. Yeah, grace and peace, you guys.